We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 21st day of October, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. Excuse me, my manners again. Lord, Marty Foster. Lord Foster, how are you today? Well, thankfully, I am not Jeremy Vine because for the first time in two and a half years of this utter bollocks, I have tested positive for the Rona. I've oh got mild cold, yeah, I know. I've got mild cold symptoms, bit of a sore throat, feeling a bit run down, and it's all down to some asymptomatic spreader who declined to take a test at the weekend and just got past the uh, the the people on the gate with a flash of the phone, their COVID passport, and and gave a good ten or fifteen people the virus. Yeah, other than that, I'm fine. But before we say hello to Bruce. I will just say, I've said all along, if you've got symptoms, you stay in. You don't go spreading it. If you've got any symptoms from any disease, you we all know it's common sense to just stay away from people for a while. But the sheeple, thinking that they're safe uh, with a vaccine that has never been tested for uh, against transmission, are quite happy to uh, spread this filth all over the place. And, you know... In the last two years, I've spent a total of 15 nights in a hospital and was tested daily. I've been to lots of events where I've had to test prior to, and I don't like testing. Uh, and this is the first time in two and a half years that I've tested positive. So that's how I am. Hello, Bruce. How are you, buddy? Healthy and alive and uh, uh, rub it hoping in. for a speedy recover recovery for you um, see, Bruce, if you had a jab then the symptoms would be even less yeah oh i don't right. see how yeah, it could sure. be any less actually because this is not even the worst cold i've ever had so um no how could it be i would say that the amount of vitamin c i'm piling into myself and my already quite strong immune system is um is standing me in good stead thank you very much uh, that was going to be my guess before you, uh, you, you, you there laid it out who, who was uh, the transmitter in this. Uh, that was going to be my guess is it was probably someone jabbed because um, when we look at the data and you look at even what the, uh, the governments are saying now, if you've been vaccinated, you're just as capable of spreading it. And when you look at the data, though, it's showing that people that are vaccinated have a higher viral load before they're uh, showing symptoms and they can spread it much easier. And part of the problem with that, you show symptoms. The reason you show symptoms or have symptoms is because it's your body actively fighting against the virus. By having more viral load before you have symptoms, that means your body is not really fighting against it yet. <laughs> no. It's kind of a problem. Yeah. but. Hey ho, um, onwards and upwards. I shall just have to um, isolate myself for another couple of days. 
do a test before I go anywhere, just to be on the safe side. I don't want to give it to anyone, you know. Keep hammering the vitamins. Oh, yes. Um, I've already overdosed several times today from the daily recommended usage. I don't think I'm quite up to the 2,000 grams or no, not two, two milligrams. Kilograms. Two, two grams. It, it was two grams. So I thought it was 2,000 milligrams. milligrams. Yeah, you can, which is, you can yeah, go which as is two grams. Yeah, yeah, it's two grams. You can, we can't talk about dosage here. Then we can't be seen as, quote, recommending things. But you and I can talk privately about that. And I can tell you what yeah, yeah. I can tell you what I do that works for me. Maybe it'll work for you. So uh, we can discuss that later. Let's but so. today, today, big doings today in um, in Parliament in the UK. I noticed that something was afoot. What was it yesterday, Bruce? And I said, boy, the British government's going to hell in a handbasket, and it's going there really quick. You had six cabinet resignations in the last 48 hours. And then I saw that Jeremy Hunt had been brought in last week, and then Trust resigns. So you guys are um, PM-less, Prime Ministerless. <laughs> I don't for lack well, of a better a word. Well, Prime Minister, which, which, is, is usually, which is usually the Chancellor. Uh huh. So who is old, old, old rhyming slang himself? Uh huh. Um, Hunt is. Uh, I think he's de facto standing PM. Yeah, they they've just put a revolving door on number ten, and they're letting all these WF puppets scurry away before things start hitting home. And I'm pretty sure that whoever winds up holding office towards the end are the ones that are going to get the old Mussolini treatment. So they're letting well, all the other ones run now. Yeah, let's let's see, because right now the uh, there's a heavy favorite. The hat has been officially thrown into the race. This is uh, conservative MP uh, Paul Bristow this afternoon talking about who his constituency would like to see as the next PM. What do you make of this morning? Well, it's an extraordinary day in, in politics. But, you know, I went to my constituency at the weekend and I always want to talk to my constituents and feel, see how they feel. And I went to Diwali, I went to the Great Eastern Run. I even did some campaigning. And the strong message that I got was bring back Boris Johnson. I stood in a by-election six months before Boris Johnson. Uh, uh, we won that historic mandate, that election. I came third. We were 19 points behind in the polls before Boris Johnson became prime minister. We face a similar situation now. Now, I don't know what the situation is going to be. I don't know the rules. I don't even know if Boris Johnson wants to stand. But we need an election winner. And we had an election winner. And so as far as I'm concerned, I listened to my constituents and their message was bring back Boris. Do you think many Conservative MPs agree with you? Well, the Conservative members certainly agree with me. We saw the uh, members uh, earlier on. It said that Boris Johnson was the most popular. Look, it's about making sure that we win as many seats as we possibly can. We get back to good government and uh, we, we, we get back on the right track. Boris Johnson's got a mandate from the members. He's got a mandate from the country. If Boris Johnson wants to do this, uh, my constituents clearly want Boris to do this. Uh, I think it would be a fine choice. But as I say, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know if any even if he wants it. And he has officially put his name into the running. It's um, <laughs> it's like when there's a dirty job that needs doing and you explain to your partner or your friend or your housemate, oh, you're so much better at it than I am. I always make a mess of it. So they just go off and do it because that you, you've finessed them. You, you've manipulated them into doing it. And Johnston has a narcissistic dream about being just like Churchill. Yeah, he probably will try again 
Uh, but it doesn't matter. I, I, I've, I've given up. I have absolutely given up about British politics. All of our politicians are on the end of a set of strings being pulled from Davos and there is absolutely no point in discussing who's in what office, who's doing what job in the cabinet, because they're all following a completely destructive set of orders from the World Economic Forum. What I foresee here in the UK is that the next general election will be won by Labour, who I wouldn't vote for in a million years. At the same time, I will no longer vote Conservative ever again. And it doesn't matter that Labour are going to win because Starmer is as corrupted as any of the Tories. So it will be just more of the same, just under a different colour of rosette. And this is breaking. Uh, Boris Johnson leads the pack for the next Conservative Party leader as 36 Tory MPs declare that they will nominate him compared to 29 at the moment for Richie Sunak and 13 for Penny Morden. Yeah, well, he, he's a dumbass and... He's oh, very on. intelligent, we need, dumbass. We need the costumes he's a very, again. We very need the costumes. Yeah, we, need, we need the costumes he's got, again. Yeah, he's, he's he's got the charm offensive. He's got the naughty little schoolboy, ruffle his hair kind of appeal to him. And staunch British Conservative voters uh, who would never dream of voting for anybody else but apart from their Conservative uh, elected candidate will happily accept Boris back. Uh, and it's because they haven't read enough. They're they're not terribly smart. They've probably got degrees and certificates and all other manners of measuring education coming out of their ears, but they're not really very clever because they have been dumbed down. They've been gaslit. They've been fed a line of bullshit for quite some time now. So all they can smell is the roses. Yeah, you know, I was actually saying in prep that uh, the, these politicians, like, I, I mean, look, I understand they've got like, quote, degrees and I'm doing the air quotes, uh, degrees and all that stuff. But let's be honest about what those things are. That's just a social club where you make contacts and get yourself put into that world. That's all that is. That's where you learn the lingo and you go through the institutions. These politicians, as you said, they're not very bright. And when I say they're not very bright, they're not very, um, shall we say, uh, mature. It doesn't seem like that anyway. I mean, now I understand we're kind of laughing about uh, Liz Truss and the head of lettuce kind of thing, right? I mean, that was kind of funny. It's not to be taken seriously. The German economic minister today tweeted in response to Liz Truss resigning a song from Public Enemy. Why would you do that? Why, why on earth would you do that? That's that's like something that you would expect, which by the way, he's, a, he's just deleted the tweet. You're an adult. I mean, I expect that kind of behavior from, I don't know, an adolescence in like study hall or something, or you have a bad breakup with so-and-so and and, uh, and there's drama in the school kind of thing. Like, I, I understand that, right? Because that's what kids identify with, not adults. Here's the I, thing. I just don't get the behavior. Here's, here, here's the thing. The reason this kind of immature behavior is prevalent amongst our political class, including the German political classes, is because they've been to expensive private schools where bullying doesn't take place. They've been to expensive universities where they only have to pass wind in the right note to gain a credit. And they are just not used to being pulled up short and given a slap for their banal, juvenile sense of humour. Now, the... um. 
reasonably rough, but not terribly rough uh, high school I went to. I was beaten daily by the older kids until I got big enough to stop them, which only took a, about a year, year and a half. Until you got your first black and then, belt. <laughs> I'm sure well, yeah. they didn't bother you. <laughs> my, my time in two armed forces, both the Army and the Navy, I went through basic training in both. And if your sense of humor is rubbish and gets up people's noses in an organization like that, um, you get physically made aware of that, shall we say. So they haven't had their rough edges knocked off. They haven't had their sense of humour developed in a way that is actually funny because one of the ways that you can um, appease and stop bullies is by making them laugh. And uh, and a lot of people have done that over the years. They They've learned how to distract the bully with a good joke or a quip usually at the expense of somebody else who they will then go on to bully. But as long as you're not getting it, it doesn't matter. It helps you develop your sense of humour. And no, the, our political classes haven't really experienced the, the same kind of harsh life that many of us working class and now moving into middle class have experienced. So they haven't got it. They haven't got the wherewithal. I don't know. That's, that's my take on it anyway. I heard you mention that uh, people are now going to vote for a labor government on the other side. And I, I was asking you prior to, I said, why are you guys doing what we're doing? As in, we're, we're going back and forth and we're just voting for one or the other criminal party. Why are we doing this? And it, it just further adds fuel to what we've been calling for here since our inception. And that is, we need parliaments of independence. We got, we've got to stop this this party voting party lines nonsense. It's got to stop because it's leading us down the the road to just oblivion. As far as I'm concerned, forget destruction. This is oblivion, in my opinion. But you're now going to elect. I mean, you're going to do exactly what the U.S. did. You're going to take a center uh, a center right government. I don't even want to call it right, which um, the Republicans, that's more of a center left government, in my opinion, at least in the US. And in the UK, again, I don't even want to call that center right. I understand I'm not criticizing your system or anything, or maybe I am. I don't know. Make your own mind up. But I look at the conservative party as a center left party. And then you've got labor, which are like our Democrats. They're even further to the left than that. So we've been dealing with horrible far left policies under COVID. And now you're going to give even more authority to the people that are going to exacerbate that even more. And they're going to spend more money. Like you, you've already got the Bank of England stepping in to prevent your economy from collapsing. And now you're going to elect a government. You're saying that that's if there's a general election, there's going to be a government that's elected that's going to spend even more money. I mean, I understand the conservatives are out of control spending all the money they're spending anyway, so much so that the Bank of England has had to step in and now they're buying the, the bonds. But now you're going to have a labor government? I mean, again, this just further makes our point from our standpoint that we've got to step away from this. It's time for this to end. It's because people cannot believe that these two supposedly opposing sides can actually all be working for the same organization. And that organization isn't UK PLC, it's Davos WEF. And so after so many years of conservative screw-ups and obvious uh, disrespect, actually, for the UK people displayed by Johnson's antics, that's going to convince people that they, they need the, the opposite side. And the only reason um, 
he got such a big majority were these voters that swapped over to ensure that Brexit happened. So now Brexit has happened, sort of, they'll go back to voting Labour. They won't continue to vote Conservative. But what they don't realise is that Keir Starmer and whoever they've got lined up to replace him, because you can bet there is someone, has already been briefed. It would not surprise me, and I can't remember if I said this in prep or if I've said it on here tonight already, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't grant Scotland another independence referendum, which this time will swing to a yes vote, and even give the same to Wales, which will completely break up the United Kingdom. And when you're smaller countries like that, you are easier to take over. You are easier to control and to manipulate. And that's what they want. They want us completely helpless. Nicola Sturgeon announced that Scotland will have another referendum in October of next year, not this year, next year. So uh, there's. You can't be... announce that. She hasn't got the. She hasn't got the um, authority the to legal do so. But she did it. Authority to do so, but yeah. she's saying that's what they're going to aim for. Yes, that's their aim. But we've talked about getting rid of parties before. And I know that we've had people emerge in your political system that have made the push for Brexit to happen, or at least started the ball rolling. And, you know, I I, um, I had a changing of opinion about British politicians by this guy, and I'm sure you know who I'm going to mention. He was very Nigel. outspoken. Yeah, Nigel. He was a very outspoken guy around 10, 12 years ago in the European Parliament when you guys were still uh, in the uh, EU. And the speeches he gave in there... I was quite impressed by, uh, so much so that he was resonating at least with uh, with American audiences, standing out in the fact that he could actually speak to these people to their faces and call them out for the just abject frauds that they are and, and lunatics that they are. But that was the nature of the system. You know, you could do that in our system in America. You can't do that. You can't stand up there and tell somebody that they should be fired or uh, they're, you know, they don't know what they're doing or uh, they're completely incompetent and they're just utter buffoons and they're reckless. And you, know, you can't do that in, in American politics. But in European politics, you can do that. And he was very vocal about it. And he gained a lot of attention, a lot of support, started or at least was the founder of uh, the UK Independence Party, uh, which I think was a successful movement in its own right during this during its time. But something changed. Something changed about him. I don't know what it was. I know you've talked about it here before. I know that there was some things that came out about his involvement with big insurance company, big health insurance companies trying to privatize your NHS, these kinds of things, uh, as well as being taken on by big uh, corporate donors and, and things of that nature. What about now? He left UKIP and he founded the Brexit Party. He didn't stand in the last general election. And that that kind of disappointed me because he had an opportunity there to become PM. But I think by him standing down and not doing that, but at the same time siphoning enough votes away from Labour, it allowed the Tories to gain even more seats where they had a majority government and they were completely unopposed. They didn't need a coalition so, government. Sorry to correct you. Go ahead. But he stood absolutely no chance of becoming prime minister. He uh -huh. could not have gained a sufficient majority. What he did manage to do is persuade, uh, because the whole raft of independence, they weren't even called that by that time, they were called something else. But all the people he had standing for Parliament, they all stood down because they knew that they would drain votes away from the Conservatives. There was a chance that Labour would get in 
and then Brexit would go to a second referendum, which was kind of what Cat Weasel, Jeremy Corbyn, was saying at the time. The thing about Farage is Farage, whichever, whatever you want to call him. I also had a great deal of respect for him because he was he was making sense what he was saying inside the European Parliament. I have got an idea of, of how I can sum him up, but I think you should play the clip first. I don't know what to make of this. When I heard it, I, I'm, I'm just I, I kind of it's like I want to believe that that's what he wants to do or that's what they're talking about doing. I want to believe that that's that's the right way to do this. But I don't know. I'd rather hear your perspective on it. And then I'll make my mind up because, you know, your system better than I do. OK, so Nigel, assume that is correct, then there has to be some sort of revolution on the right of British politics. And of course, Nigel, you are the one man uh, who all week people are saying, well, unless Farage gets involved, it's pointless because there's no figurehead. And look, there's some great people on the right. And, and we love a lot of these people, Nigel. You know, your colleague, Richard Tice, who, who took over the Reform Party, a, a great man. We have Lawrence Fox, who, of course, was filling in for you a couple of weeks ago, head of the Reclaim Party. But there's no one leading this movement. Uh, Nigel, are you prepared to do it? Are you prepared to return to frontline politics? Well, look, you know, I led two very major, and I would argue, albeit it took a long time, but two very successful insurgencies. The first was UKIP, the second was the Brexit Party. Um, you know, I got rid of David Cameron, I got rid of Theresa May, I'm quite proud of that, really. Um, however, that was around, well, they, you, know, you can call it a single issue, but a fundamental issue. And also, I had proportional representational European elections in which I could win and by doing that, changed the agenda. But you're also looking, down at the man who got four million votes and one seat in the 2015 general election. What is clear to me, if we're going to replace this Conservative Party, if we're going to build a new centre-right movement that believes in the individual as opposed to the big corporate, that believes in national security as opposed to just-in-time supply chains and all of those things, what is clear to me is I absolutely could not do that on my own. It would need you know, several major figures to recognise the Conservative Party is dead. Now, whether a Suella Braverman or, or others like that have got the courage to strike out and do this, I don't know. When the SDP launched in 81, and goodness me, they came within a whisker in 83 of replacing the Labour Party. They didn't, but they got Tony Blair, so they kind of won. Um, you know, there were four major former cabinet ministers that set that up. So we need to replace the Conservative Party. We need something that is sincere, that is genuine, that is not, as they all are now, centre-ground Social Democrats. I can't do that on my own, but if there are other major figures that want this to happen, if there are major media organisations that want this to happen, then it can, but I can't do it on my own. No, he's right. He can't do it on his own. He would need some heavy hitters to come in with him. But my problem with that is those heavy hitters are already corrupted. They're already uh, well indoctrinated. The way I see Farage now is he's like a, a hacker, someone who creates a computer virus in the hope that they'll be employed by Microsoft for security. That's what he is. He's he's like a little thorn in their side, and he's waiting for that, all right, 
come and be one of us call. He may already, because that, that clip came from GB News, which we know is owned by, shall we say, some, some rather bad actors. And we, we're almost sure that GB News is probably controlled opposition. I can see you both nodding. The listener can't see that, so feel free to interrupt me anytime. You know, like I said, I, I want to believe that what uh, Nigel is, is talking about is is a solution to that problem, just like I want to believe that same kind of solution for the problem that we have in the U.S. However, again, it's I, I also look at the other side of it for me and what we've discussed here before. You're replacing one problem with the potential to have another that will lead you back to the same problem again. As you said, the heavy hitters that would have to come in, they're already corrupted. We've got to get rid of the political party. As in, I, well, like you don't oh, replace it with anything. It's like the repeal and replace thing that we talked about with the uh, the healthcare system in the U.S. Well, you repeal and replace Obama. You don't replace it with anything. You repeal it, yes, but you don't replace it with anything. The one he mentioned there, Suella Braverman. Um, yep. She was Home Secretary until she resigned earlier this week. Actually, I think I have an idea on that one, but it will lead to our next topic. She said that she was going to take swift and decisive action to crack down on Just Stop Oil. And then 48 hours later, her resignation was in. Right. Well, I heard it was because of a leaked email reference migration. Could have been. Um, her job as Home Secretary was to ensure that our borders were safe. And that includes safe against illegal immigration. And she's had plenty of time and she's got all of the laws in her favor or to use, I should say, to, to, to bring into action to deal with that problem. But again, there's something you told me earlier on about France's deportation record is is so low they're not deporting anyone apart from to the uk in small inflatable boats suella braverman had plenty of time to make an impact and to try and stop this flow of financial migrants and fighting age males across the channel but she hasn't and so i i just think this whole leaked email thing is is a is a smokescreen and she's just been allowed to toddle off and be nowhere near when the metaphorical bullets start flying so she she's had her escape same as boris had his escape because at any time he could have stopped being an absolute tit and played by the rules and and realized that he was upsetting everybody he could have stopped he could have done a proper apology and he could have saved his office but he didn't uh, and he just let it happen. And, and in, then we had the pats he put up in, in the shape of Liz Truss. She was um, about as much good as a chocolate fire guard. She let the most ridiculous budget uh, through under Quasi. And, you know, she's gone now as well. So it's just one thing after another to destroy the UK. Uh, and that's all I'm seeing. And added to that, added to the political destruction, let's talk about the destruction in the culture and in the society. Just Stop Oil. They've been very active this week. They've been busy. They decided they were going to hit New Scotland Yard this week. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I'll be playing some footage of that. Uh, and as you can see here, uh, there's a young lady who is spraying paint all over the, uh, uh, the rotating sign out there. And she, of course, 
uh, she gets arrested and dragged away. She's a she's a political prisoner, you see. And then, of course, they took over a bridge in I want to say it was in Dartmouth. I could be mistaken on that one, but they they put themselves to the top of it and they handcuffed themselves to the uh, the cables at the top of the suspension bridge there, and it was shut down for two days. It took them two days to bring the cranes in to go up there and and get them off the uh, the top of the uh, the bridge there to get it reopened. But also they uh, they decided to hit an Aston Martin dealership here, as you can see in uh, uh, in London. And of course, this is because of the uh, drilling oil and gas uh, permits that your government is issuing for oil companies. And of course, recently, there's been a, a massive natural gas deposit that's been found in the North Sea. And of course, you guys have the rights to that and permits have been issued to that. And after the exploratory drilling was, uh, was found to have uh, discovered that, and you guys are now going to start extracting that to heat your homes and to run your electrical grid. And of course, this individual is... Um, protesting against that. And they decided they were going to sit down in traffic right next to the Aston Martin dealership right after that until people decided that they were going to come and drag them out of the way. But I'd just like for you to see a larger photo of the individual. That, uh, I, I, have seen, I have seen, have this seen this individual okay. before. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you've got another... Colors done. You got no, another no, 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 no. absolute warrior here that's stopping oil. I, yeah. Well, there's, there's a few things I've written down on my pad of notes. And I wrote these down a couple of days ago because I missed last week doing the podcast because I was a yeah. bit busy. There's a number of things that we are being persuaded we should no longer have any interest in. And it's it's not good for the planet or ourselves. If if we look at dairy, cheese, milk, meat products, fish, uh, even grains, certain grains, you know, it's all got to be gluten free. It's got to be this. It's got to be that heterosexuality even you know you you can't be straight anymore because that has to be gluten free straight, or, or what well uh, yeah um does that have to be vegan or something all of these things dairy high in calcium build strong bones good teeth and so on um you don't need too much of it you don't have to go over the overboard with it but you do need it protein meat proteins provide all those b vitamins that that young individual that you've got in the clip there I, I was going to say, he needs his colours doing. You can go to uh, an analyst who will check your skin tone and hair colour against a load of swatches and tell you what colours you can wear. And that red skirt that young man is wearing does not suit him at all. It's totally <laughs> wrong for his hair colour, which is a nice auburn. Um, <laughs> and he's very pale skinned. So, so that deep red just leeches all the colour out of his skin. Anyway, what? Where was I going with that? Yeah, proteins, fish, all help you build muscle, become strong, um, and helps brain development as well. the The way our brains developed from from the you know the the very early um, humanoid creatures that we evolved from um, was because they started to be able to fish. They started to be able to catch bigger game. They could spend more of the energy that they were consuming in developing their brain rather than just surviving. You know, grains, wheat, barley, rye, corn, all give you slow-release energy so that you can work longer if you've had a balanced meal of vegetables, grains, pulses, meat, fish. It all helps human life. 
it helps all life to be to be honest a balanced diet uh, so omnivores such as the giant panda why is it so endangered because it only eats bloody bamboo and doesn't want to have sex well that's how they're kind of driving us they only want us to eat bugs and not to have sex at all because that means zero population growth and that's what all of these new snowflakey movements are really all about and i don't think they were necessarily planned but if you're clever and you you're in a war and you want to pick on your enemy's weaknesses then these are certainly you know veganism the whole trans movement and pronoun bollocks they're all areas that you can pick and make a hole in and and use as weaknesses against us uh, and that's what's really happening the oil stuff the the two girls that threw the tins of soup over van gogh's sunflowers yeah didn't do any harm to the painting because the painting's covered by glass they then glued themselves to the wall next day you've got that libtard left wing i don't know I've, I've run out of uh of of things to call the man but owen jones talking to one of the leaders air quotes of stop oil and she was just as vacuous as he is but these protests that they're they're engaging in are the sort of protests that will enrage your average man woman on the street and they will support future government moves to remove the right to protest and that's what they're doing that's why these protests are being encouraged but these people don't even realize they're being used they are being used and they don't know it and and their 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 whole stance is wrong she, uh, the the woman that was talking to Owen Jones says oh we're going to run out of fresh drinking water by 2040 why is it going to stop raining uh, um, well, no, are, the, are the we... CEO of Nestle said so. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know how, uh, what a wonderful philanthropist and charitable individual that man is. You've got a country like the UAE, which is, you know, a desert, basically. It's got a large coastline on which are desalination, reverse osmosis plants that provide the whole country with fresh water. The United Kingdom's an island. We're surrounded by Ogin, as we call it in the Royal Navy, and we could set up desalination plants, but there's been no move to do that. No one's tried to do that because we know that as long as it keeps raining, which it always does in the UK, we are going to have water. And if if it does start to, to run out, I'm pretty sure they could put up desalination reverse osmosis plants up fairly quickly. So sod you, stop oil. Sod you all your other ridiculous protests that keep going on. You all need to have a word with yourself, put the appropriate clothes on for your gender, or at least get a few makeup lessons, because that one you were showing a few seconds ago. This one? Um, or had the, the worst... No, the, the one the, the one, one writing yeah, yeah. just stopped. The blonde man with the incredibly poor makeup job. They, I thought they the just beard here to... would have given this one away. Oh, I've seen... I've seen weirder than that this weekend that has just gone. I won't say on air, but I, I will tell you later just how weird it got. Well, honestly, I I'm not sure I even want to know that. But uh, this is the one that Bruce said the other day looked like something. What? How did you describe it, Bruce? Something about remember. an 80s, um, yeah, 80s uh, movie or uh, like next to a parking lot or something or something. Like oh that. no, it was the uh, it was a red skirt guy. 
uh, oh, red, red skirt, skirt guy. guy looked like he was a 1980s movie hooker with the cigarette in hand and everything. That's that's kind of what he looked like. Well, this this yeah. one in the in the blue dress with the beard and the, do you call that a fanny pack in your? Yes, parts? yes, I know you call it a bum yes. bag in in the UK. We yeah. call it a bum bag. He looks like the proclaimers, you know, the the Scottish twins. Um, <laughs> he looks like. He looks like their young sister, but he's got the same sort of beard and glasses. So yeah. And then, of course, not to be outdone, this is Animal Rebellion in a uh, in Waitrose in Edinburgh over the uh, over the weekend, uh, calling for a uh, plant based future. As you can see there, the uh, the individual holding the sign. Uh, and then, of course, store security comes over as they're dumping out. Looks like those that's are not store security. That's a shopper. He's got no, his no, no. basket he's, ready no, to no, get no. some he's, milk. No. No, no, he's he's store security. He's got like a headset on here. Ah, and he does nothing. No, no, he he does nothing. He's he's basically he he's coddling them here in just a moment. You'll see. You know, he's he's just kind of coddling them. Oh, could you please stop dumping the milk? And we need you to move along here. They've already created the means for a fast exit on the floor there. That's a shiny linoleum. I can't even say linoleum. Billy Colney always had trouble with that one as well. They've covered it in a liquid. If he'd have just picked them up by the scruff of the neck, back of the trousers, he could have skidded them all the way out of the door. That is true, yeah. And uh, it's, But they don't realise how they're being used. That's the thing. They think that their ideals are the most important thing in the world and that only their action can save the planet but they've just been fed a complete load of horseshit. Honestly, I, I think um, the risks, this, this is the other thing that really bugs me about this. As you were mentioning there, the linoleum floors, um, the, the, the way that they're causing a hazard for other people that are there on top of that. It, it, it's like they have no care for anyone else's um, well-being. They only care about their stupid agenda that, as we mentioned, you can't rapidly change a diet, the diet of a species. Uh, that, that, that's something that happens evolutionary over time, right? It, it's something that you, you grow into, if you will, uh, or evolve into. So rapidly changing the, the human diet after thousands of years of being the same, relatively the same thing, uh, and then you're just all of a sudden going to try to change it. The ramifications long term is... is uh, we we don't know what'll happen uh, long term. What what it'll cause for evolution? But uh, the, these these people, honestly, I would have liked to have seen the store staff grab them up by the scuff of the neck and just thrown them out of the store. But well, and then because of the way the agenda is now, the store staff would have been fired for it. But you know, it it plays. Some things are worth getting fired over. We we need that's to. Um, yeah, that's true. We need to realize that a lot more. Some people need to realize it. Sometimes it is the job just is not worth it. But yeah, you're right, Bruce. To to rapidly change a diet um, almost overnight is going to have implications, and it's going to have side effects. And it's like any time you try and repress your nature, as long as your nature's not harmful, because harmful natures or natures that are harmful to others perhaps should be repressed. You know, like if you're a mad axe murderer, try and repress that. But you know, people may get the wrong idea about me. I'm certainly not homophobic, and I've seen what happens when people who are gay but have just been internalizing it and and not admitting their true nature have developed other outward ticks and signs that they're 
that you know something's not quite right. OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I've seen that happen, and other forms of psychosis happen when you try to repress your nature. But getting back on topic, when you look at our teeth, obviously you Americans have got all much better teeth than us than us Brits, which have you know like a, a mouthful of gravestones, um, if you'd believe American comedians and chat show hosts. They are the teeth of an omnivore. We've got incisors, canines, we've got molars. They're designed to eat all kinds of food, and that is what we need to do. So don't suppress your nature. If you are an omnivore, be an omnivore. You don't have to just eat meat. Like I said about the, um, the those creatures with mono diets, if one thing goes wrong, they die out. You know, um, if that particular food source, koala bears with only eating eucalyptus leaves, you know, if their eucalyptus forest burns down in a bushfire, all the koalas are truly screwed. So don't be a koala, be a chimpanzee, because a chimpanzee will eat anything, you know, and, and that's how we are as humans. We are omnivores, and that's the, the nature we should follow. Again, if you don't want to eat meat, that's fine. Don't eat meat. But don't bore me with the fact that you don't want to eat meat. End of story. You know, I, th- I think the same agenda also plays to these. Uh, uh, Bruce, you remember the climate lawyer we played that was on Capitol Hill talking to, uh, I think it was Clay Biggins from uh, Louisiana. And she yep. said, sir, just we, what I'm asking you to do is look in your heart. And the only thing that's going to shut down is the oil industry in your state. And he says, young lady, what are you going to do about the aviation industry? What are you going to do about the maritime industry, the, the entirety of, of ocean-going vessels? What are you going to do about that? And she says, sir, look in your heart, because the only thing that's going to be affected is the oil industry in your state that gets you elected. They don't stop to think about the other ramifications. They just think that that one thing is going to change. That one singular myopic view that they have is the only thing that's going to be affected. It's the same concept when it comes to these uh, animal rebellions and uh, and just stop oil and, and everything else. It's the same thing. Extinction Rebellion and every other little spinoff they've got. They seem to target the one thing. Those of us that can think, we know that that's going to cause a chain reaction down the line. And it's going to obliterate everything in that in that logistical supply line. I have a I have a question. Um, GP brought this point up. God, I think it was like two years ago because uh, we, we were kind of talking on. about this. <laughs> yeah, last time he was on. Yeah, uh, we were kind of talking about this with uh, vegans and everything and how vegans try to obviously they, they want to stay uh, with vegetables and fruits and that kind of stuff and not have any product that is from an animal. That's typically what a vegan is. That includes honey, but that's kind of disputed. But anyway, the the thing that they don't understand or realize, many of them, is these farms that they get their produce from, though they say it's a no-kill farm, meaning uh, they don't use any like pesticides or they don't use any herbicides or they don't go out and actively kill uh, the rodents and vermin that would, uh, the, the pests that would eat their crops. What they don't realize is those farms, to exist, have to be around other farms that do exactly that, that are using the pesticides, that are using the herbicides and everything. So for these vegan farms, they have to have killing to be able to exist. And I, I don't I don't think they understand that no matter what you do on this planet, when it comes to growing foods, you're going to have to kill some the the animals that are going to eat the crop. You you have to. And the insects. That's just that's just the way it is. 
unfortunately. But it, it's just it's just lunacy. And these these people that are out there, uh, I, I'm I'm glad they don't do this here because I'd probably get in trouble. Uh, because I would be driving around uh, it, it, if they did that in town. I would have um, plenty of zip ties handy. Uh, because the minute they start doing that kind of uh, BS and, and they block traffic, I'm dragging you to the side of the road and I'm going to zip tie you to the, any telephone pole, sign, whatever the hell is over there on the side of the road to get you out of the way. Then law enforcement, when they get there, they can handle you however they want. I'd do the same if I was strong enough these days, but I'm getting older. But talking about the farms, if you have an efficient farm that can grow Kale, for instance, he said laughingly, uh, in sufficient quantity, you need to make clearances. And that land was once wild. And so it would have been, you know, fully occupied by all sorts of wildlife. So all farms, whether they are organic and non-kill, have to a certain extent had to ignore wildlife. Ignores probably the, the most benign word i can use uh, I, and i did pick up on the dig yesterday by the way thanks very much i was just remembering and i'm sure i've told you about this before my my last fully wild gathered meal was uh giant puffballs which cut into steaks they are delicious but only because they take on the flavor of whatever you fry them in so bacon fats a really good one for those some wild chestnuts which were then roasted and, and ga gathered and then cooked at the same time. Some watercress in nice big handfuls off, off the, the, the pond and a pheasant that I'd shot. So combine all of those things together, they made an absolutely delicious, wildly gathered meal. Now, I had a mate uh, in the Navy, uh, we'll call him Dave, and he was a animal rights and peace type and was a vegetarian, one of the few vegetarians that, that existed in the Navy at that time. But he would once a year have a prawn curry uh, as, a, as a kind of a sort of a backtrack, only because prawns don't really have faces. You know, he wouldn't eat anything with a face. But he did say if he could go back into the food chain, that he would happily eat meat if he had to hunt it himself. And the way things are going here in the UK, for people to be able to afford meat with the cost of living crisis, they're going to have to go out and hunt. So all of those people who let their dogs wander strayly around, well, they better watch out because those dogs will be the first thing that go, come here, Fido, right, you'll do on the barbecue. We've got the situation in the UK where most of us don't have shotgun certificates or firearm certificates, so we don't own the means to humanely air quotes hunt anything and you know all of the deer uh you know the the, the biggest meat bearing animal that we've got prolifically in the uk although there are some some wild boar here and there i think scotland's they're all got owned. wild cows don't they scotland has wild cows they they have but they're they're in an enclosure by the oh, way okay all right so they're yeah, not really they're, wild they're one of the most they're one of the most ancient yeah the long breeds. hair, it's, yeah, it's it's kind yeah, of crazy when the, you see them. The Highland cattle—it's a breed of Highland cattle, but they're they're the oldest breed in the country. And most modern cattle in the UK can trace their ancestry, but they're they're in an enclosure, effectively. Oh, I see. But yeah, well, all the yeah, all the preserved, yeah. all the deer is owned. Most of the land is owned. You can't even go and hunt a rabbit um, without permission from a landowner. And of course, you won't get that because they don't want people running all over their land. 
and this is this is part of the problem where you've got ninety percent of the land in ten percent of the population's ownership. So protest all you like. We need farms. If we don't have farms, the rest of us don't get food. So your protest is completely empty and vacuous and pointless because it's never going to happen. All that is going to happen is you are going to get hurt by someone eventually. One day, there won't be six police officers stood with their thumbs up their ass and their brains in neutral, just watching out for your best interest. And you will get dragged bodily out of the road and zip-tied, because I'm going to pay for Bruce's flight if that's what we're going to go and do. Okay. I'll drive there. I'll drive there. I'll yeah. go through the tunnel. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> I'll drive I'll there. the other side of the tunnel. Yeah. I'm assuming no, I'm, that I'm, you haven't seen them at a crosswalk near you anytime in the uh, last few weeks, have you? No. No. I think they, they might have a, you know, like Google Maps and that they, they might get a warning. Like, you know, you get a 30 mile an hour speed limit camera up ahead. They might get a psychotic veteran warning and so that they wouldn't actually protest anywhere near me. Marty, you're a fan, since we're talking about food, uh, and we'll end on this one, you're a fan of the Great British Bake Off, yes? Oh, oh, hang on. You're about, I know what you're about to say. I know what you're about to say. Janusz, who I had quite a lot of time for until Tuesday's episode where he used bugs in a cake. That is just not on. That is not on. Um, I okay. I that's news to me. That's not what I was going to mention. Uh, there's another show that's on Channel Four that kind of rivals it. Uh, it's called Aldi's Next Big Thing, where they're going to put it on on Aldi's shelves in like the supermarkets. All right. And these people compete for uh, a spot to put that product on the shelf in the stores. And there's a couple of guys who uh, have founded a company called Yumbug, and they're looking to start their edible bugs in. Aldi stores across the UK. They're going to be presenting their uh, their ideas for appetizers, entrees, and desserts, all of which will contain bugs. And they talk about how crickets are up to 70% protein, which is three times more than the amount of protein found in beef. They've also got more iron than spinach, more calcium than milk, and the list keeps going. They're an incredible superfood. We want to take bug consumption mainstream. And if we're able to get in front of Aldi's audience, that would be an amazing opportunity. We've been cooking with insects for years. It started in 2017 with weekends experimenting out of my parents' garage, cooking up all sorts of recipes and posting content online. We then sold our first insect recipe boxes out of our bedroom in lockdown. And that's really where everything snowballed. Well, good luck with that, because I won't be buying any. And most of the people I know wouldn't be buying any. It's only the brainwashed, snowflake, woke sons of bitches that do stupid protests like pouring milk on the floor in Waitrose. Look, yeah, I've worked my way up to Waitrose. I used to shop in the cheapest supermarkets. I now go to Waitrose because I don't expect riffraff to be getting through the doors. Their prices ensure that, you know, welfare cases can't shop there. Actually, that's not true anymore because well, I think so people on welfare probably fair, get more yeah, than most people are working. To be fair, I I don't think the price really matters because these these jokers go into Harrods and you've talked about how expensive the uh, the milk is per pint in there and they're just dumping it out or quarter or whatever you size whatever Har- size you size. Harrods is for yeah, well Good. But it's posh. It, it's it's for the you know the, like it's it's that kind of stuff. I mean, it's I know you guys. Tourists. It's for tourists. It's for tourists. <laughs> that's that's all it is. 
if you want quality food, you don't go to Harrods Food Court. You go to Fort no, no, Mason's. No. But you, well, that's true. But you go you go in there for like the expensive one item. So you would go in there for like the expensive exotic cheese, or you go in there for like the uh, the special milk or or whatever. You you go in there for like that one item. You don't go in there for grocery shopping, obviously. But it's just for that one thing. But they're going in there and they're dumping out. Uh, would you say it was like sixteen pounds of pine or something like that? And they're just dumping it all yeah, over the floor. It was it was ridiculously expensive, wasn't it? Oh yeah, and they're dumping it all over big giant wheels of cheese. And you know that cheese is not cheap in there. No, no, but it, yeah, it it wouldn't matter what you buy in Harrods as long as you came out with one of those green bags with the gold lettering. That's what people are after. It's just look at me, I shop at Harrods. Oh, I got some chocolates um, at Harrods. What did you get? Yeah. <laughs> I got covered in milk by a fruit loop bloody snowflake. That's what happened to me. Okay, so British Bake Off, they're doing bugs as well. I didn't know that. Yeah, I That's... couldn't believe it. We have a family thing. When I was going to the office rather than working from home, every Tuesday during Bake Off, I would, on the way home, buy whatever the theme was. So if it was cake week, I'd buy lots of cakes. If it was bread week, I'd buy bread and cheese. If it was dessert week, I'd buy yeah, desserts. Yeah. I like that, yeah. And and that way, we'd all have dinner together. And while we're watching Bake Off, we could at least eat what they had on there. Now I'm going to have to go to bloody Lidl and buy bugs if they keep this up. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, the the baker, Janusz, who's, been, who's done pretty well, I think he's been... Master Baker, is that what they call it? Or Top Baker um, each top week. Top Chef or something uh, like that, yeah. About three times so far. But this week, I'm guessing that Channel 4 have gone, all right, Janusz, we'll pay you extra if you include these gribbly nasty things in, in your cake. And he's gone, yeah, okay, I like I like money. That's fine. I, I can't imagine... Any other reason for one of the bakers on Bake Off to suddenly start incorporating bugs, crickets, a cake, for God's sake. It's just ridiculous. He's not even Asian. I could understand if it was the Malaysian girl where they do eat bugs, they eat crickets, they eat scorpions, they eat all kinds of things because that's part of their culture, that's part of their, their dietary history. It's not part of ours. Chinese people can't cope with lactose, so they don't have dairy farms. They do seem to be able to cope with pork that is riddled with foot and mouth disease, because when their herds, which most of have foot and mouth disease, are detected as having foot and mouth disease, they're not cold. We're here in the UK and Europe, great big piles of perfectly edible pork is burnt because... They've got a disease that actually doesn't do humans any real harm. So, yeah, Bake Off can do one from now on. I, I did say I will probably never watch it again. That's a real shame. Yeah, I was just going to mention that um, here in the U.S., if we had a similar show like that, I, I could see some kind of um, Halloween event or something like that, you know, just kind of as a one-off kind of fun for the season and doing like bugs or or something like that you know just kind of a, a gross halloween thing i could see something like a one-off maybe maybe like 15 years ago uh th they would do that but now when that's the narrative uh to to eat bugs no i i, I agree uh, I, well I, I as it happens either. so sorry to interrupt but as it happens 
that episode was the Halloween episode, and they were making, you know, scary cakes and different things that... And if you want to make something that looks like a bug, but it's made out of chocolate or sugar work or meringue, fine. But no, I don't want to eat bugs. It's bad enough wearing an open open face helmet on a motorcycle and getting the odd one stuck in your teeth here and there. That's bad enough. But actually having a whole cake made from it? No, it's wrong. How is that even edible? We've seen uh, talk uh, how they were they were making the insect butter or whatever, and it's like they can't go any higher than like twenty five percent of it being insect because then it, it you lose the taste. High. It's yeah. like it tastes like rancid and just like sour and yeah. rotten. Uh, uh, anyway, all right, we're going to go ahead and call this one done. Marty, you have any final thoughts that you'd like to convey to the listeners before we get you back? I know we were going to talk about emergency prep this week, but the UK government essentially collapsing in the last 24 to 48 hours. Uh, we kind of had to talk about that instead. Uh, and these these crazy nut jobs that are just, uh, I, I, I don't even know what in the world they're doing and, and why they're not being hauled away by the police is is just like that's beyond me we didn't talk about emergency prep but we're going to talk about that next week barring some earth changing events which god only knows because earth changing events happen every couple of days now we will plan on that next week but apart from that what would you like to say as a final thought well all i'd like to say is this being possibly the first time i've ever had covid and i must have had it for two or three days now and it's just a mild cold I know a lot of people suffered, several people, several thousands of people died, but I'm more of a man than Jeremy Vine, put it that way. It's well put. We'll go ahead and jump out of here. So for those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. You know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. It's been an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Bye.